Welcome to Gardening Naturally with Jeff Ferris. Call or text Jeff now with your gardening and landscape questions. 512-836-0590. Hey, good morning, gardeners. Oh my, what a day today. It is going to be so beautiful. Next couple of days are some really just amazing, amazing weather. These are temperatures that are perfect for the garden. Tomatoes, peppers, still can be grown, the leafy vegetables. This is super gardening weather. Now, there is some rain in the forecast. Not a lot, but there is some rain, and we really need it. Man, we could use, we could use lots and lots of rain to catch up. But the weather is going to be beautiful. This is a time to get out there and maybe you're cleaning up old plants. You're cutting back all the dead. Um, maybe you're checking and seeing about, oh, I need to trim up such and such plant so that it's the shape I want or the size that I want. This is when to do it. For two reasons, not only is the weather great for the plants, but it's great for you. I mean, think about it, the weather's gonna be beautiful. This is t-shirt weather. Now, I just said that, and y'all know when I say that, I really truly mean, look, put on cover. We don't need to start getting sunburned and things like that this early in the year. So don't forget your sunscreen, your hat, your your jacket. Maybe you got long sleeve shirt to put on. Keep an eye out. The sunburn will will be painful and it'll really ruin your day. Now, gotta say, happened to have a heartbreaker at my house yesterday. <clears throat> I have a, had a 15-year-old escarpment black cherry. And for the last dozen years or so, it's been really, really pretty. Every spring, it's got white flowers. It never gets to the point of producing actual cherries. But uh, the birds eat them. But it was a great tree in the wildlife, and the birds loved it. And over the freezes and over the heat, it just didn't make it. And it got cut down yesterday. It was about a 12 to 15 inch diameter. It was a very big tree. But between boars and dead branches and splits in the tree, uh, we just couldn't keep it there anymore. Now, I'm going to replace it, probably not with the same kind of tree, even though that tree grows fairly fast. Probably not the same kind, simply because it's not a very... 
it's not a real strong tree. We had a lot of branches break in storms, but we'll be replacing it. We were debating that this weekend to see what we think we want to go with, but it was heartbreaking to have to remove it. Let's go to the phone. This is Marshall. Marshall, what can I help you with? Morning, Jeff. I'm, I know that I, I think I, I lost my window uh, for corn gluten in February, and I'm not. Sh- I know. Does it make a difference when I when I do that? It would be any harm for doing it now. There will be no be harm. Any more beneficial than earlier? There will be no harm. Okay. Now, be now, no let me ask my next question: Would it. be how long will that corn gluten last before I? You know, will it? Does it go bad? Well, it does. One thing you got to okay. be careful of where you're storing it. Okay. Mice and rats love it. So if you're keeping it in a shed somewhere, it might be worthwhile to put it in like a, a metal container. Right. It's okay. right through the bag. Okay. So I, I, I go ahead and I'm going to go ahead and lay that today. I think we get to get out of the way so far. So I still have an opportunity to get the, the fall weeds taken care of, hopefully. Yeah, you okay, will help. Okay, thank you for the call, Marshall. All right, thank, thank, thank Jeff. Bye-bye. Um, folks, it is not too late to use corn gluten. You want to get with it, though. The temperatures are rising, <clears throat> which means the weed seeds will start germinating. The sooner you can get the corn gluten down, the better. And again, it's an organic weed and feed. You will have your turf looking great using the corn gluten. So the only thing that I would say is bad is you're not going to get the maximum kill, the maximum pre-emergent power out of this stuff because we're late enough in the year and the temperature's been warm enough that the the seeds are already germinating. There, the thing about Texas is every single day of the year, there is some kind of seed germinating in Texas. Not all of them are ones you want. So get to it and enjoy about six weeks or so of the corn gluten preventing those weed seeds from germinating. And the minute it's done doing that, it's going to start feeding your turf. So it'll give you a gorgeous lawn. You could, if you wanted to, put corn gluten on your turf every six weeks. That's expensive, folks. That is an expensive proposition. That's why we say there are generally two times of the year to really get with it. Now is one of them to get rid of the spring and summer weeds. September, October timeframe is another one so that you don't get the weeds germinating for spring. And all of this, of course, there is no exact date that you need to do this. There is no 
has to be done at this date, at this time, with this much water. No. you got to kind of play it based on what nature's doing. As we start warming up, the seeds will start germinating. In the fall, when we start cooling down and getting a little more rain, that's when the spring weeds are going to start germinating. So we get the most efficient use of it during those two periods of time. However, you are more than welcome. You are more than welcome to put it down every six weeks. I warn you, it's a costly proposition, but it will work. Folks, this is Gardening Naturally. I need to take a quick break. I'll be right back. This is Gardening Naturally on News Radio KLBJ with host Jeff Ferris. Jeff is ready for your calls or text messages at 512-836-0590. Hey, welcome back, everybody. Um, heartbreaker for my home yesterday when we had to remove a tree that had been a particularly important tree to us. A lot of sentimental value to it. But we had good news that afternoon. We happened to be outside looking over the yard and out of the blue we could hear a purple martin. And we're looking around trying to figure out where it is and it was just too high or too far away. We take a second, we're not looking and all of a sudden Zoom, in flies a purple martin and dives right into our purple martin house that we had just cleaned out and raised up like the day before. Right behind him came a female. So we already have a purple martin pair investigating, I guess that's the word you would say, investigating the local apartment complexes to see which ones that they'd like to uh, raise little ones in. Oh, I got a note saying they're out there right now. Uh, Really super happy about that. Great to see that they're showing up now. Something, uh, if you haven't fixed your house, cleaned it, done whatever, get with it. This is not the earliest that we've had Purple Martins appear. Believe it or not, we've actually had them show up at our property earlier than this. And we've had them as late as May 8th. So you got some time. You got some time, but you got to make a home ready for them. Let's go to the phone. This is Jerry. Jerry, what can I help you with? Good morning, Jeff. Yes, sir. Last year I had a good crop of tomatoes, but something kept uh, eating at them. It looked like a bird was pecking them, but it only occurred at night, and I had the uh, plants covered with mesh. I think it was an insect that was causing the damage. I saw the I saw an insect on the tomato. I don't, I don't know what kind of insect it was, but my question is, 
is there something I can do to protect those tomato plants? Uh, the mesh, the, the netting that I had on there didn't work. Yep. Jerry, you probably probably have an insect called a, a, a tomato fruit worm. Not the hornworm with the big spike on his backside. These are an ugly little caterpillar that will bite into the tomato. They'll leave a, a little blemish, a, a hole in it. Well, excuse me for interrupting, but I never saw anything like that. And I'm, uh, I'm retired and I've got nothing else to do but watch my tomatoes. Are you out there at night watching with lights on them? Cause no, I'm not at night. Be, this could be when it's attacking. There are a lot of insects that work the night shift. A simple treatment is BT. About once a week, because you can spray a tomato with BT and decide you want to eat it, just go in, rinse it off, and it's safe to eat. But what was BT, that product again? B BT? T. Baker's Yeah, Thomas. BT. Okay. That will help with the fruit worms. Is it possible it's a different insect? That kind of dep depends on the size of the hole. Because you said it was like a bird pack. That, yeah. if it's doing it at night, I'm not sure what you're looking at. Um, if, you could, if you could see it happening during the day, that's probably a leaf-footed bug, because that's what they do. They poke these little pinholes into the tomato, and the tomato's still edible. It's just not as attractive. <clears throat> and the spots they poke the hole into tends to get a little hard. But if, if, it's, if it's the size of a pencil eraser, if the hole is that big, I'm, I'm betting it's a, a fruit worm. Would that worm be in the hole uh, when uh, I look at the tomato? Maybe. Maybe. And it will tend to be, it will tend to be right around the crown where the stem comes out. Could it be at the bottom of the tomato? Yeah, that's not as obvious that way. But they're normally, you get the hole near the top, and the, the root, uh, fruit worm can take a bite and then run off, which is a little coward. Um, but they, they can be controlled with the BT. Well, thank you. I'll give that a try. Yeah, they're... They're they're terrible. You'll get a beautiful, perfect tomato, and there will be a hole in it. I even had one softball-sized tomato down near the bottom. Something got to it. It was right near the ground and ate the entire tomato. Probably a possum or something. Yeah, it could be a mouse or a rat, too. Yeah. But well, thank you, Jeff. I appreciate it. Yeah. Jerry, good luck getting these guys. I'm, I'm sorry it's happening, but it's that time of the year. It's tomato season. So yes, it, is. it also means 
It's tomato bug season. Jerry, thanks for the call. Let's go to the phone. This is Roger. Roger, what can I help you with? Good morning, Jeff. Uh, a couple of questions here. Uh, again, so much back you were talking about, I guess it's a, I think it's oregano you, you said to plant for some butterfly larvae. Um, I don't remember oregano. what you were talking about. I think the for the swallowtail. Almost, almost any of the other herbs, dill, fennel, um, thyme is really big for uh, bees. When it blooms, it's covered with bees. But dill and oregano and parsley, they, uh, they will draw in all kinds of butterflies and will lay eggs on them. And you'll have the caterpillars on there. Okay, answer to that. And another question is, what what would be the minimum size pot I could grow tomatoes in? Um, I have a a, a book. Uh, it's not in print anymore, unfortunately, and it's it says that you can grow a tomato in a single cubic foot. And that's roughly a five-gallon bucket. Really, it's like a three-gallon bucket. That's about what I got. Right. And it'll be even easier if it is a like a patio tomato, not something that's going to get six foot tall and things like that. But about three gallons would be considered pretty much a minimum. And that by minimum, I mean you would get a good harvest. Okay. Because I got a bunch of old pots. I don't want to have to uh, spend all the money right now on on new pots. So I'll give it a shot, Jeff. I'll let you know. Thank you. Good luck. Thanks for the call, Roger. Yeah, folks, it is a. um, I cannot, for the life of me, remember the name of that book I have. Um, It's a Rodale book, but it has a reference where here is the size of the pot and here's what can grow in it. You may find it half-price books, um, but... A tomato would manage in a square foot of soil. So would a pepper. Uh, A little more than that might be kind of like hedging a bet, making sure that they had enough stuff for you. But uh, you can grow a good, productive tomato in a five-gallon bucket. It'll do just fine. Simply want to make sure it drains well. I we I get a lot of callers, I get a lot of texters who tell me that's their method for growing their tomatoes. Now, this year and probably this weekend, my wife and I will be going out and planting our tomatoes. Our starts look great. Nice and tall, good strong stems. We're going to plant them deep into what we already prepared the soil and uh we're betting we're betting that we're not going to have another freeze they said on the radio the other day 
they that uh, we will have a freeze in March less than 50% of the time. And they had like 128 marches they had measured over history and less than half of them still had a freeze in it. Well, I'm crossing my fingers and go to, I'm going to go for it. We're going to get our tomatoes in there and hope for the best. Folks, this is Gardening Naturally. I need a break for the news at the bottom of the hour. I'll catch you on the other side. This is Gardening Naturally on News Radio KLBJ with host Jeff Ferris. Jeff is ready for your calls or text messages at 512-836-0590. Everybody, let's go to the phone. This is Bob. Bob, what can I help you with? Yeah, good morning, Jeff. Uh, Jeff, I planted uh, toma- my tomatoes uh, uh, three weeks ago, and I've been using buckets uh, and um, incandescent bulbs inside, and they've just been going great. Um, in fact, I actually have cherry tomatoes uh, at, uh, actually on the vine. My question, though, is um, now peppers are available at the nurseries, and I've got some. Uh, do peppers, can peppers get stunted by, temp- by low temperatures the way uh, tomatoes do? Uh, next week, at the end of the week, it's, it's supposed to get down to 40 degrees. Uh, I was hoping to get out of that. Um, yes, they can get stunted, though they don't seem to take as much um, damage from it as a tomato might. If it's going to get down to 40 and you're not in a particular hurry, um I would look at getting on the other side of that 40. Okay. I I have peppers lined up, ready to, ready to go. Excuse me. Um, tomatoes are going to go out, but I'm not putting my peppers out yet. It may I may put them out next weekend, but I, I'm still hanging on to them for a little bit yet. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, the uh, 40 degree prediction is for uh, not tomorrow, but a week from tomorrow on Sunday. It's supposed to get down to 40. Yep, at least in the Lakeway area. Ah, great. Oh, well, yeah, at least that's not, a, that's not a freeze, at least. That's a good thing. Right. But, yeah, yeah it's a... Uh, uh, Okay, I, I'll need to be prepared. If I put my tomatoes in, I'll be able to cover them. Didn't want to have to do that work, but not my choice. Yeah. By the way, um, about uh, 20 watts of incandescent light uh, raises the temperature inside the bucket by about 15 degrees. And it scales. Oh. And then, uh, 40, 40 watts, and 40 watts will give you 30 degrees uh, rise. So uh, but those things will work great. Um, you never have, uh, not concerned about them getting too hot and like melting the bucket? No. Uh, well, I'm, yes. <laughs> so a 15 watt bulb will melt the bucket if it touches the edge. So you just don't let it touch the edge. Got it. But yeah, it will, it. it will melt the bucket if it touches the edge. 
Okay, well, um, let's hope that a week away is too far for them to make an accurate prediction and that it's actually going to be just fine. But even so, no, I'm not getting my peppers out there yet. I'm getting the tomatoes because I'm dying for some tomatoes. Yeah, yeah, tomatoes are growing just great. Okay, thanks, Jeff. Thanks for the call, Bob. <clears throat> yeah, folks, that's something to consider. We we worry so much, so much about keeping the tomatoes happy. And that's because they have such an incredibly short growing season. You know, once we get too hot, they're not going to flower. They're not going to fruit. They're not going to be happy or healthy. So we really want to get them out there as early as possible. The peppers, on the other hand, they can handle the heat. They may not be the best production, but they can handle the heat. And like we do with tomatoes, you can get them to hold over. Meaning they'll suffer through the summer, but once we get back into fall, they'll start producing again. But I'm gonna I'm gonna keep them warm yet. I I, I don't want to get them cold because I want to get the production from them. Let's go to the phone. This is Stephen. Stephen, what can I help you with? Hey Jeff, good morning. Uh, appreciate everything you do for us. Uh, the question I got, Jeff, is I, I I know that when you plant trees, I'm on driftwood by the way. Um, you know, when you plant trees, it's it's good not to amend the soil because otherwise the root ball sort of just stays right in that area where that really nice, rich soil's at, and you want the roots to spread out. So I'm going to be planting some um, um, some cross vines, uh, tangerines, and mm-hmm. when I plant vines, should I amend the soil or should I follow the same rules that when you plant trees to don't really amend the soil, maybe just put some compost on top or mulch on top. Follow that rule. Don't yeah. don't make the soil super rich, but compost on top to get it a start. And you know what yeah. they say, dig an ugly hole. You don't want this perfectly round, looks like a pot in the ground. Mm-hmm. Give it some edges. Give it some places where the roots slam into the soil and start to spread out. So same idea, pretty much put them back in, in not the best soil, but top them off with a good quality compost to give them a start. Mm -hmm. Okay, yeah, sounds good. That's what I thought. I've been listening to you for years, and so I figured that's what the answer was, but it's it's always nice to to hear it again. <laughs> I really appreciate you, Jeff. You take care. Thanks for the call, Stephen. Yeah. Okay. Folks. You take care. Bye. We uh, dig a hole for a tree or a, another perennial, like a vine, like he was talking about, or a shrub. First off, don't dig a round hole. The roots can wind up going from softened soil, hit the hard soil, and start wrapping in a circle. You don't want to give them that. You almost want to dig a star 
That's way too much work, but you know what I mean. It should not be a round hole. It should be an ugly hole. Lots of edges, lots of place for the uh, roots to run into. And you can loosen that soil when you dig the hole. You put the plant in there. You shouldn't have to put a bunch of amendment in there. Now, you can. The risk is you create super soft soil and the plant won't expand its roots enough. If you're going to do compost, you can get a better benefit by planting in the soil that was in the hole you dug, but top dressing it with a good quality compost and, of course, mulch. That'll get you a better start on all of your plants. Folks, this is Gardening Naturally. I have to take a quick break. We'll be right back. This is Gardening Naturally on News Radio KLBJ with host Jeff Ferris. Jeff is ready for your calls or text messages at 512-836-0590. Hey, welcome back, everybody. <clears throat> this weekend, I have a task. Um, you may want to do the same. I am going to be spreading sulfur throughout my yard. I have got the flake sulfur, and I am going to be spreading it throughout the places where I go, my backyard where my kids play, um, out front where I walk to the bird baths to water them and keep them clean. Um, the, the common places where I'm walking through the yard because it's chigger time. No, I haven't been bit by one yet, I don't think, but uh, we're gonna be coming into slightly warmer weather and that means the chiggers will be going crazy. Now remember, it's not the adult chigger that bites you and makes it itch. It is the teenage chigger. Figures, right? Dang teenagers anyway. Sulfur is a safe and effective product to create a barrier or border around your property. Chiggers can't stand the smell of it. So it will chase them away. It will not harm your plants, your soil, your turf, or trees. I got a 25-pound bag, and it should do a good job of letting me cover the areas that are truly important to me. Important as in, I don't want to walk out there and get bit. So... This weekend, I will be getting out my drop spreader and dumping in my sulfur, and away, and away we go. It's easy to do. It is not a huge amount of work, and it should last, oh, I think it's gonna last a couple months, maybe as many as three. And so long as it keeps the chiggers out, it's worth every penny to me. I hate those things. 
will definitely be spreading it around my garden to keep the chiggers away from there as I'm working on tomatoes and peppers and other plants. Uh, someone just texted me. Um, it Yes, I'm putting down elemental sulfur. Will it acidify our alkaline soil? Yeah, just not much. Our soil is very alkaline. The sulfur, when mixed with water, forms sulfuric acid. So as it is dissolved into the soil, it does raise um, it, it does raise the acidity. It lowers the pH. However, if your soil is about, let's say it's a 7.5, that's a really good soil, folks. It's let's say it's a 7.5. It may lower it to 7.45. It will lower it, but our alkaline soil is constantly, constantly fighting to stay alkaline. Now, somebody asking, where can you get sulfur flakes? I have got uh, sulfur at um, Tractor Supply. I, I, last sulfur I got, um, I ordered from uh, Ace Hardware. Uh, Callahan's no longer carries it. I used to mention them, but they don't carry it anymore. Call your local independent nurseries to see if any of them are working on it. Some of them are, are trying to keep it in stock. Other ones don't bother. So um, try those places. Now, I've found it to be fairly effective. Um, at least I've been bitten by fewer chiggers, I should say. I hate those things. For those of you who are old school Texans, chiggers are also known as red bugs. Um, I'm from the Midwest. We had chiggers in the Midwest. It was terrible. Um, but this is one thing you can do to help prevent the problem. Works well, too. Hmm. Here we go. Uh, folks are getting, it's called bastard cabbage. It's a weed and it tends to grow among blue bonnets. The bad news is it grows among blue bonnets and shades them out. So they may not bloom very well. So how do you get rid of it to keep the blue bonnets without killing the blue bonnets? You can use several of the organic weed killers that will burn off the top of the plant. No leaves, ready to go. Pulverize is one. Burnout from bonite is another 
And of course, sulfur. Not sulfur, I'm sorry. Um, sulfuric acid, the high vinegar products. So um, you can use those and see if they won't uh, uh, kill the cabbage to allow your blue bonnets to come up. We should be seeing blue bonnets soon, too. Was out in my backyard um, this week looking to see if they're coming up and was surprised they are in a totally different place than they were last year. I guess that's okay. I'm still getting blue bonnets. So looking forward to them. You can uh, also weed eat the bad plants. Stay above the blue bonnets if you can. And that way you'll take the flowers off, which will help reduce the possibility of weed seeds next year. Going to be a great weekend, folks. We can get out in the garden. Um, I need to take a break coming up on the top of the hour for the news. I will catch everybody on the other side. 